0: 10% of the doctors in America are Muslim, but we're only 1% of the population. And a lot of our family members and friends are on the front lines, you know, during uh, COVID, and Mala had to pivot, you know, not just from storytelling, but also becoming a social service organization and distributing, you know, PPE.
1: Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into virtual lockdown. Our country wasn't built to be shut down. This is not a country that was built for this. It was not built to be shut down. America will again and soon be open for business. Uh, Very soon. A lot sooner than uh, three or four months. There's
0: a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Um, There's a lot of, you know, wondering if you're risking your life by going to work.
1: Welcome to our podcast, uh, Restarting America, where we talk to business owners about how they are getting through COVID-19 and their plans to move forward as the world changes. I am Jeremy Greenberg, and I'm excited to interview Ahmed Flex Omar. He's the co-founder of Muslim American Leadership Alliance, also referred to as Mala. Before co-founding Mala, Omar worked at UBS Wealth Management Group, American Express, RSM McLattery, and Deloitte. He's the founder of Global Events, an event marketing company, and founding member of Chicago Leadership Alliance. Omar is passionate about youth mentorship, particularly for millennials and members of Generation Z, through internships and fellowship programs, scholarships, exposure to arts and culture, and other creative opportunities provide engagement. He has created several educational programs, such as Mompreneur, Muslims in tech, and Introduction to Islamic Art, to encourage to professionals take time to build skills like public speaking, personal branding, and negotiating. Omar earned a bachelor's degree from Loyola University of Chicago and a certificate in organizational leadership from Northwestern University Kellogg School of Management. Additionally, I actually met him about five years ago when we bo- both joined WeWork in Chicago. Thank you for being here today. I'm excited to talk to you. So just to start off, will you tell me a little about yourself and how you how you started Mala from a financial background?
0: Abs- abs- absolutely, the uh, financial part is um, interesting because we started with no money. Um, we, uh, my co-founders and I, were inspired by Humans of New York, and we would see them post their stories on um, you know Facebook, and it was very beautifully uh, done because it was just um, personal narratives of uh, human beings. And I uh, put together a PDF, you know, so I'm a big techie, and um, I took this lean startup methodology, you know, uh, course and, uh, minimum viable product was, you know, something that was drilled into us. And so our MVP was that PDF. So what we did was we took the PDF, send it to friends and asked them to send in written narratives. And after a while we saw that, Hey, this is hypothesis of people sharing their personal narratives has been validated. Let me, take the next step. And my co-founder Zainab Khan went and, uh, reached out to an organization, uh, by the name of Story Corp, And they became our first, uh, partner. What does and that mean? Partner. Part, uh, uh, par- uh, partner, um, as in, um, they focus on storytelling and we wanted from the beginning to go the storytelling route. They have all the infrastructure because they, um, do audio recordings, and they publish those audio recordings on WBZ and NPR. So when we went there, um, again because we don't have any money, we uh, just recently got our five hundred one C three, you know, as a non for profit, and we don't have a website, but we do have you know people that are willing to come and share their stories. So we partnered with them and asked them if we could you know use their infrastructure. But for them, it was great because. Um, they wanted to build a library of uh, Muslim, you know, uh, stories, but everything started scaling really fast. um, And uh, we ended up archiving the stories at the Library of Congress in uh, Washington, D.C., which was incredible for us, because when we got the call from the library, we were told that um this is the f- first time they're archiving these stories so that's sort of our legacy is we when did you get whichever. to the uh when did the congress call you or the library of congress in the library of Con- uh, uh, congress um this was in 2015 when right right when we started oh wow
1: yeah so was that like a big boost at the time
0: yeah it was um i mean it still doesn't feel real you know because my are uh, the stories are digitally archived at the library of congress right by the u.s constitution a hundred years from now, you know, someone, a college student that's doing research, can go and look up, you know, uh, these uh, stories. So I think it's really powerful. I think people that want to listen to stories of their grandparents, and you know, I wish I was able to record, you know, um, those stories of my uh, grandfather um, who passed away. But um, i doing it for other people, so it's still it's still surreal and it's so powerful. And we're five years in, you wow. know, now and
1: so when, um, when did you start actually be, you said you had no money to start when did you start actually being able to make a little bit of money to yeah so it? we went
0: we yeah we went the crowdfunding route so our first year we had over 500 uh donors we used different websites um and one of them was uh, globalgiving.org uh, where um people so micro donations you know um are largest you know donation you know that year was six thousand dollars um the rest were anywhere from twenty dollars to you know wow. uh, 50, uh 50 you know to 100 bucks but so the first
1: uh, year you were just crowdfunding and like how can i ask how much money that you were able to raise for did, did, um, did i don't remember
0: the specific you know amount but it was very low um but i have an accounting background and, um, if you're, if you're managing your costs and you're not spending a whole lot of, you know, money, you don't have to raise as, as much. And yeah. it was volunteer based. So I wasn't earning a salary at the time. Um, and all the money went to, you know, producing, you know, the stories. So how did you get from your financial accounting background
1: to like deciding that, like, when did you realize you got to get out of your financial background?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, stopped working in corporate America. My last job was with Deloitte in two thousand and eight, and in May, and a few months later, that's when you know the market crashed, and I was in hedge funds with uh, the tax uh, group, so I was doing a lot of consulting work at the time. Um, But while I was working full time in accounting, I started Global Events, and that's when I always had this vision of bringing people together, you know, through um events and um when i was in college i worked for the hilton group so i Built a rolodex of uh, people in the hospitality industry, so I, w- I was always the connector. You know, when people wanted, you know, connection for a hotel room, a connection. You know, so what
1: were our- global events doing? So what, what kind we're of we're
0: basically consult. We're basically consulting. You know, uh, these businesses on you know marketing strategies. I mean, social media was a new thing um, at the time, and i would go in there and educate them on how to build relationships you know through you know uh, social, uh, social media um i would help them identify influencers before you know um influencer you know marketing was a thing um i would help them build you know marketing you know calendars for example wow. chicago is a huge convention city right um and the radiology convention brings in over 300,000 you know people wow. and if you can plan uh, for this ahead of time, as a business, you can make a lot of money, but it's all relationships. And with the hospitality industry, there's a lot of turnover. And because there's a lot of you know turnover, um, the person who is managing you know events on the corporate side constantly has to figure out who's this new person that they have to connect with, right? So I would go to the corporate side because I have the corporate background, I speak the language and I'll say, hey, here's an updated list of the uh, people that are, you know, there and, and, and then, and reach out to me if you need any help, you know, with that. So, and, um, through that I was able to also connect with the non for profit world. And I realized that nonforprofits profits uh, needed a little bit of boost in terms of their fundraising and just, I brought in creative ideas, you know, so I started, you know, consulting on like galas and helping, you know, with, um, event, event planning and with especially millennials, you know, um, we want an experience, you know, it's not about just doing the same old thing. So for a children's charity, I created an event called, oh, that was uh, based on James Bond Casino Royale. So you did the whole full casino, you know, experience. But then we brought in an Aston Martin, you know, and long story short, the charity made a lot of money, you know. But, but, wow. but, but, but the experience, you know, was uh, was key. And then I um, started educating non profits on volunteer, you know, management, you know, cause just like, you know um, you add value to a business, you know, there's a lot of young people that are passionate about, you know, causes, you know, millennials are interested, you know, in philanthropy at an early you know, age. They're not waiting till they're 50 or 60 to give money, you know, the charity. They wanted to do it today. They want to fundraise through, you know, Facebook you know, that they don't want birthday gifts, they want, you know, you to support their own, you know, uh, you know, charity. And I just felt like a lot of charities were not tapping into, you know, the human um, potential, you know, from the uh, next generation. So I brought in, you know, some very interesting, you know, ideas, and I just found a way to just consult and, you know, make, make, uh, make money. And then, Um, the Mala came about from a passion standpoint, I was not planning on, you know, uh, working full time for a non-for-profit that I started. It was purely, uh, a passion, you know, project that just started, you know, scaling. Yeah. Wow.
1: Wow. So, uh, and, uh, so now are you still, um, are you still fundraising? Are you still crowdfunding as a source of revenue or what is the source of revenue? Yes, our
0: our funding is, um, you know uh, what does scale mean uh, diverse uh, well scale obviously means you know uh, different things to different people so to me scaling you know means that um, I'm impacting you know my community you know on a consistent basis scaling to me is I'm um, empowering emerging you know leaders within uh, my community I am um, unlocking you know new donors but the don- uh, the way the way we look at donors is a little bit different than most non for profits. We want people that are not just going to give us money, but also are going to be engaged. You know, so for example, with Mala, we have a an advisory board that's over two hundred. You know, wow. uh, people. And well, we where call are those
1: people from? Everywhere. All over
0: all over the country, and actually some of them are international. So um, another thing I didn't mention is Mala is also a member of the U uh, N. Um, from. Wow. 2015 and I, um, and the organization as an NGO sits on the UN, you know, economic and uh, social, uh, uh, council. So we're mentoring a, lo- a lot of people, you know, all over, all over the world, but our advisory council, you know, contributes to Mala in so many different ways. And, um, the reason why we built it, you know, that way is because we wanted to go from community to community and, empower people to impact their own local community so the whole thing is like local impact leads to global impact if everyone takes care of their own neighborhood then the world is going to be you know a better place so that's why i started in chicago and i wanted to you know do things with my friends you know first and all i did was i went from city to city said hey um why don't you do why why don't you do you know something similar and i'll show you how to how to do it but the way we did it was um after story corp our first the main uh, partnership after Story Corp was uh, Malala, the young lady that was shot by the Taliban, it's the youngest Nobel Peace Prize you know, winner. And um, we did her film premiere in Chicago wow. and uh, we, took, we, we made a partnership then with Participant Media. And uh, Participant Media is a Hollywood studio. It's really big on social justice. And we took uh, that opportunity, even though we were new and we didn't have, you know, any full-time staff or anything like that, um, to educate, you know, folks in our community about storytelling, about uh, triumph through adversity. And Malala's story uh, was beautiful because um, she's a brave young girl that's passionate about girls, you know, education. And that's really hit home for me because I am a refugee genocide survivor from Somaliland, came to the... Chicago in 2000. Tell, tell me about that. So wait, t- go,
1: yeah, took uh, go. So wait, so when you when you move to Chicago and.
0: Yeah, 2000 at uh, two, uh, 2000 and never left, you know, I mean, it's
1: where. So wh- how long were you uh, were? Uh, when where, where did
0: you grow? Where did you
1: grow up again? I'm sorry.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So I was born in Somaliland in East okay. Africa, you know, present day Somaliland. Um, but I grew up in um, Abu Dhabi in the Emirates. I left Somaliland because of the war, and we had to. How old were you? I was three. And how long were you then? So then, what?
1: So, at least you were three. Then you grew up in the the Emirates. UAE, yeah. How long were you there
0: for? Uh, Till I was uh, 19, so I lived 16 years in the UAE. In the UAE, very fascinating country. So, tell me about that a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, The UAE is um, probably. I got my best education over there because the UAE um, is a country that hosts over 200 nationalities. Um, the citizens are only 20% of the country. It's a relatively new uh, country. I was founded in the 70s. Um, oil rich, um, you know, country, but a lot of diversity. So I was able to meet people from all over the world. I mean, one of the buildings I lived in had over 50 nationalities. So it truly felt like I it, it, the UN. At the UN um, at times. But um, when I was eight and nine, you know, the genocide was happening in my country of birth. So I didn't have a normal childhood, you know, because my family, you know, was involved in, you know, the struggle. My grandfather... family's
1: still there when you were. Yeah. You oh, yeah.
0: You? Oh, oh wow. yeah. You still a family there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, Jeremy, because um, I'm related to four million people. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a family trees on Wikipedia, you know. Perfect. Wow.
1: Yeah, wow. So, so, so what was it like? I mean, expand on that. What was it like, when, when we were eight or nine and the war was going on and were you, were you wanting to go back to be like, was your family trying to go back or were you by it, yourself it, in the U.S.? It was, or? it
0: was, it was a difficult situation. So I left when I was three, you know, almost four, but part of that was, um, they, We had to choose who left and who stayed just because if the state knew that we were all fleeing, then they would have stopped us. So it was a tough decision for family members to make. And a lot of times it's like, well, who gets to live and who doesn't get, you know, to live? And but we knew what was coming. We knew the genocide, you know, is going to happen because genocide, the genocides and Holocaust just don't happen overnight. Or a series of actions that lead, you know, to that, wow. and unfortunately, history repeats its, itself, you know. Um, and
1: What? What? So, which family members went with you?
0: Uh, well, my, my mom and my dad. Um, but then, but then we also spread out into different countries, you know, in different parts of the world, you know. And but my mom and my dad um, and I moved to the UAE. Do you have both brothers- Where I grew up. I have I have, th- I, have three sis- I have three sisters. And did they, are they younger, older, or were they younger? They're all, they're all younger. I do yeah. have a half sister cause my dad also get, uh, got remarried. So I got to mention her too. <laughs> but did,
1: did, did, uh, were they all born in the UAE then?
0: They were all born in the UAE.
1: And then your yes. cousins all stayed or, the, or they all spread out or?
0: Uh, spread out, man. We are, uh, people, you know, I have cousins in Sweden, cousin in, in England, Australia, like you name it, you know, Malaysia, all over the world, you know? So what was it? So then
1: when you moved to the United States, what was what was that like? And uh, how did you how were you able to do that?
0: So I so I had uh, diplomatic um, relationships through my family and I came in as a political asylee. And by yourself um,
1: or with your parents, your sisters? So my mom,
0: my mom came before me in 94. So they because my parents, you know, divorced. So my mother was already in Chicago and then I brought my sisters a year later. Wow. Uh, and so, so is your dad in? in he's, the, he's back. He's back in Somaliland. Oh, wow. And so have you been back? Have you been back since? I have not. I have not been back at all just because I was going to school, working at the same time and raising my sisters at the same time because my mom's on disability, doesn't wow. work. Um, and, but I was able to do that because Chicago is a great city, man. I would hop on, you know, the train, go to work, go to internship go to a school. So you, but you, did yeah. you
1: went to, you, when you moved here, when you're 18, 19 and you yeah. went to, went to Col- Loyola right away.
0: No, I went to a community college, Harold Washington, uh, downtown. How, and how, so
1: we, we immediately went to Harold Washington or how long were you there? For? Yeah, right, right,
0: uh, right away in, in um, I came in October of 2000. And then uh, 2001, and then, January, I was signed up for community college classes. Did your, did your family live like close by to
1: Harold Washington?
0: Or where did, uh, where no, did we, we like? uh, Hyde, Hyde Park. That's where I was staying at the time. But I was working go? on the west side of Chicago um, in IT. So
1: you were really moving around. You were hustling, to try to make, yeah. raising, raising your sisters. And um, uh, uh, wow. So, and and then how long were you at Harold Washington
0: before you went to Loyola? Uh, two years. So I got my associates um, and then I transferred to Loyola University. Wow. But I lived in Rogers Park um, I, uh, early on. So when I transferred to Loyola, a lot of the uh, kids I knew uh, that I've met just through the neighborhood always thought that I went to Loyola, even though I was a Harold Washington kid. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um
1: one uh, so okay. Let's go back to Mala now. And to sure. the, the, um, the, you said you've been scaling. Um, is it still mostly just a story-based,
0: um, like, uh, like
1: mission-driven thing? Yeah,
0: yeah. That's our that's our that's our core. We that's how we um, educate. You know, um, folks is uh, by you know listening to conversations, just two people having conversations, or people just sharing their narratives and we're a secular organization and you know we don't focus on any politics nor religion it's all about you know um arts arts and culture um because of covid unfortunately we haven't been able to do in-person events and that was a big part of how we grew our community is getting people in the same room you know having you know breaking bread you know together and just having conversations but we've been able to do this uh, through Zoom, you know, and in two months, we've been able to do over uh, 20 uh, webinars on a variety of topics. We did one on financial, you know, literacy uh, literacy and how it relates, you know, to uh, uh, Muslims. Um, we did one on comedy where we said it was laughter is the best, you know, medicine. And then, um, you know, we did uh, ones on COVID because the other thing is, of the doctors in America are Muslim, but we're only 1% of the population. And a lot of our family members and friends are on the front lines, you know, during uh, COVID. And Mala had to pivot, you know, not just from storytelling, but also becoming a social service organization and distributing, you know, PPE. Because um, we were hearing, you know, these stories of the shortage in PPE, and we were worried about our family members and um, one of our board members uh, pledged you know a million you know masks and we've just been distributing you know these masks but we've also been distributing these masks to communities of color you know Um, and to be honest you know what we've seen with COVID it's really has shown the wealth you know disparity and especially you know in Chicago um, communities are hurting you know now not just financially but also because of you know um, the disease itself the virus so I would um, you know donate masks to local clinics and you know um, local hospitals that don't necessarily have the procurement you know um, resources that big name you know hospitals you know do the big hospitals you know are fine they might have a shortage of you know ventilators but you know, Basics uh, things like, you know, sanitizers and masks, you know, can mean life and death. Wow. Absolutely. So let's, let's,
1: I mean, because obviously we're talking about COVID now, Mm -hmm. um, that's part of the reason why we're talking today. Let's take a step back for a second. And I do want to hear about how you, how you transitioned COVID, but like when you, when did you know that um, the shutdown was going to happen and what what was going on in your head when, um, when that, when that happened and how is it Mala and how did Mala initially start to get deal with? It. Yeah.
0: So and, and to be honest with you, if you and I were sitting on New Year's Eve um, um, in 2019, you know, none of us would have said, hey, 2020 is going to turn out, you know, to what 2020 turned out to be, you know, even in, in January, you know, in, um in February, but our last event was in DC with the embassy of Azerbaijan, you know, focusing on International um, Women's Day. And that was our last official, you know, event. I read a lot. I watch a lot of the news and um, I had a feeling, you know, something was going to happen, but I did not not know that it's going to be of this, you know, magnitude. However, from a preparation standpoint, um, we, I did a lot of work with Northwestern, my certificate program on crisis management and studied different, you know, cases. And I've been looking into, webinars for a long time and Deloitte is really my um former employer is really big on webinars and as a Deloitte alum I have access to CPE continued professional you know education through that so I was able to help the organization you know pivot and we have a database of people that are engaged you know so I may not have 150 200,000 you know people but I have 15,000 people that are engaged
1: wow. you know so
0: our metrics is you know, different. I focus on engagement rather on just, you know, um, user, user base, you know. And um, so the engagement has been really, really high. Um, we haven't been able to really charge, you know, for events. Um, and we didn't want to just because we know a lot of people are hurting. However, once we, you know, put together an event that content that has, you know, great value proposition, we would send out a recap email and thanking people and putting the donation button, and we would get donations. And quite frankly, um, those donations, you know, are more than what I would even receive at a an event before COVID, which is incredible. So we're our programming is free now, but um, our community has definitely rallied around, you know, what we're doing. You know, we're encouraging people to reinvent themselves. You know um there's also a lot of mental health issues that's that's happening you know and so we want to be there and um storytelling is fascinating because when you speak to people that do you know therapy storytelling is another form of therapy and it's called testimonial therapy you know so when you share your story you know with um with someone even if it's a stranger you get this cathartic um you know um experience and feeling and um, you feel like a lot is lifted off your chest, you know, just even talking to you, you know, right now is therapy, you know, yeah. uh, for me. So I thank you for having me, you know, I appreciate
1: today. you being here. This is why we started this podcast, we, we think there's an opportunity to tell stories for ourselves and for mm-hmm. other people to go, can be, relate to. And I guess one of the questions I have is, um, I've also felt this as well, there's been a lot of hard parts of this whole process of Mm COVID-19, the pandemic, and what has been some of the hardest parts for you?
0: Absolutely, Um, the mental health, you know. uh, So the first thing we did when, you know, the shutdown happened was just literally making phone calls and checking on people and seeing how they're doing and just doing it over and over and over, you know, because our big thing for us is when it comes to relationship building, our relationship building is very intentional and, I mean, we were, we don't have transactional relationships. It's all, you know, community, you know, work. And we wanted to make sure that especially people that are leaders in our community felt that, um, you know, Mala was there, you know, for them because we knew that they had the burden of taking care of people in their, in their, you know, community. Um, but it's been obviously very difficult because, um I'm a very social person, just me personally. So it's really hard not to be around, you know, people like um used to. And um just like everyone else, you know, um things are changing constantly. You know, the mm-hmm. government rules are changing, you know, uh constantly. And um this re- and we're in a recession now, and the recession did not happen because um it was um the, the reason, the reason, the reason was a virus, you know, something that was out of our control. So I'm hoping that, um, there is confidence that comes back, you know, in the economy and yeah. What, um,
1: so if you can go back in January, knowing what you know now, like what would you do differently? I know you mentioned in New Year's Eve, we would have never known this if we we're sitting together, but like, if you can go back and what, what would you say to yourself then if you could, or would you do anything differently?
0: Yeah, that's a tough question, man. Um, you know, uh, you really, you re- because because this is an unknown, you know, uncharted, you know, territory. So even for people that are experts, you know, um, we don't have a vaccine yet because we we're dealing with you know something you know new. And quite frankly, until we have a vaccine, we're not going to know how to move you know uh, forward. But what I do know for sure is we got to start being careful about the words that we use to define you know the situation that we're in currently so even things like uh social you know distancing it's not social distancing it's physical distancing you know just because you know uh there's a virus that does not mean we can't socialize can yeah, do we're it. we're socializing
1: <laughs> right now. <It> feels <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. So I think words are powerful, and that's why storytelling is, you know, important. And quite frankly, you know, um, there's definitely the vaccine is going to come, but the economy is not going to restart, you know, or come back and unless you know people are comf- uh, confident, and we need to restore, you know, that uh, confidence. And quite frankly politicians are not going to do that. You know, uh, we need to do it for ourselves as individuals and it's time for, you know, business leaders also to step up, especially younger ones with new ideas and, uh, fresh, fresh new ways. And to be completely frank, if, um, we didn't have these, um, products that were built by millennials, you know, such as Zoom, Slack, you know, all of, all of, all of these products that we're using right now through web 2.0, we wouldn't be able to be even function the way we're functioning, you know, um, right now. So um, I think technology is going to be very, is going to play an important, you know, role in uh, what we do, you know, moving, you know, uh, forward. And so, yeah, I'm, I still have a lot of, you know, hope and, and, you know, we're Americans, so we've been through, you know, worse situations and we always, you know, come out of it, you know, stronger. So I have faith in, you know, myself, my community and just the country at large.
1: So, I mean, you brought up like what um, we do doing before. What does it look like for you, for your business, like in the next month, next quarter, next year? What do you, I mean, as you said, the vaccine coming out is going to affect everybody, but what? Like, given
0: not knowing how you plan yeah. So I can only do what I can, but it's also my uh, five-year anniversary this year. I can't have oh, a huge party. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. I, I remember it. celebrating mine. A little yeah. little <laughs> That's a milestone. You know, once you hit that five-year, like, okay, Whew you know any any answer any entrepreneur can tell, you, can tell you that you know i mean that's
1: congratulations to you it's a really I mean, it's, and and while doing it during a pandemic is is uh yeah,
0: yeah it's not it's not it's not it's not easy you know at all but what we're doing is we're reaching out to people that were there when we first started we're um reflecting we're telling we're telling our own story on how this you know all came together to be you know what Mala is what the platform you know is and we're going back to focusing on you know stories at the beginning when the pandemic hit we did a lot of webinars because we felt that there was a need in our in the community because there was a lot of panic and we wanted to uh restore you know Um, some confidence and inspire, you know, people and show people that, hey, you know what, Uh, for example, the financial literacy, you know, event, you know, uh, the gentleman talked about that there's been 46 recessions, you know, there's going to be another recession, you know, but companies come out of, you know, recessions after 2008 Slack, you know, came out of, you know, that I used Slack for Mala in beta form in 2015. And I had 20 interns um, in there working on different projects, you know, Wow. So to me it's like um I understand systems and you know processes and uh because of my background you know in tech and I saw that as an opportunity to educate people in my community is like hey take this as an opportunity to reinvent yourself and solve you know um new problems and create new infrastructure you know um for the uh, for the uh, for the future so we've been having some very you know interesting you know and fruitful conversations and um again it's not it's not easy but you know you gotta wake up every day and grab your coffee and still going and at the same time you also have to figure out a routine because the biggest part of all what COVID has done is it completely wiped out people's you know routines i mean there were yeah. when it first hit there were times when i didn't know what time of day it was i didn't know you know <laughs> what day you know it it, it, it was Um so what I would do is I started scheduling you know certain webinars during lunch hour. So I knew at that time to take my lunch. (laughs) Smart. You know what I'm saying? So uh just figuring out, you know, just like some semblance of normalcy, you know, in the time that nothing is normal about, you know, any of this. But um as human beings also, we need to start looking at these problems that we're having now not just as you know uh from a nationalistic you know standpoint but we got to look at this as species you know climate change affects all of us you know um the the virus you know COVID 19 is affecting the entire you know uh globe and what's really cool with um you know how people have pivoted their programming online now there are people tuning in from all over the world when you set up a webinar yeah. see what i'm saying and and the world is uh, the world the world is a small place and um you know uh globalization you know i mean i can talk a lot about all this stuff but um we're gonna be more interconnected than you know ever ever before so i'm excited i think there's a lot of opportunities you know out there but uh the most important thing is you know being able to connect with people, even though we're not physically present with each other.
1: Yeah. So let's. Uh, I mean, obviously, COVID nineteen has been impacting everybody and has been for a while. And then, um, and then, uh, George Floyd happened in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and um, how? Uh, and then, and then, you start seeing some um, all kinds of um, acts of uh, um, protest. Um, and then there's obviously been some uh more uh violent things are going on how how is mm-hmm. how is has that
0: kind of stuff been affecting you and maybe Mala? sure um i mean i i'll i'll speak more to myself just because i'm a black um person and i'm uh, african Amer- african american um what happened in you know minneapolis was um you know a disgusting act though it was just pure murder and with with that being with that being said, um, I just felt I just felt that um, you know there's a lot of emotions you know, and uh, people in my community had a lot of you know, still have you know a lot of emotions, and there's a lot of systematic you know racism and institutional racism that you know that's built into the current structure and the models of the way the country, you know, is built. And that was just like the final straw is to Mm -hmm. have, you know, um, a cop, you know, kneeling on someone's neck for nine minutes. And it was just too much to take. And, um, you know, Colin Kaepernick, you know, kneeled, you know, in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. he was um, painted as someone who is unpatriotic, and so how do you want how do you how does society want black people to protest right because if you protest like colin kaepernick you're a traitor to america but if you protest you on the streets too you know you're just um, you know creating noise and then unfortunately there are people that took advantage you know of the situation and um started you know looting and you know doing what they're uh, doing what they wanted to do but that shouldn't take away from the peaceful, you know, the peaceful yeah, protesters. Absolutely. Because this movement is different from other movements. There's um, people of all color that are marching, you know, with with black people. You know, the younger generation have has different ideas, you know, on how they want to see, you know, their government, you know, function. And to me, that's where I see, you know, um, the hope. Because we're having a lot of uncomfortable conversations that we've never had. Um, Before, which is a good thing, and um, it's it's a painful process, but I believe a lot of good is gonna come out of that. Today, you know, is uh, Freedom Day, so that's the day that commemorates the ending, you know, of uh, slavery. But you know, uh, black people are still, you know, not free because of um, we're being held you know hostage and we haven't been able to dismantle you know the system it's 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 um itself but the only way we're going to do it is through working together you know with our you know brother and sisters of you know different you know colors and that's what makes america you know a great country is you know we have we have that diversity but now we have technology and we're and we're and, and there are, you know, ways now to affect change and also hold, you know, institutions accountable. You know, you can no longer, you know, um, do a press event and have a great PR session and then move on. You know, you're, you're going to be constantly, you know, monitored. And we're seeing, you know, uh, different, you know, ch- uh, changes in how, you um, Uh, police should, you know, handle certain situations, you know, there's, there are rules that are uh, being put in place that you can't practice a chokehold, you know, like just, just little, little, little things, you know, so there, so there is, there is a little bit of progress, but we have, we still have a lot of, you know, work um, to do. And people are going to be, you know, very vocal and I'm um, looking forward to continuing this conversation, these type of, you know, conversations because um, it's long overdue. And what
1: are, what are, what are you doing? Or what do you think, like how you can continue the conversation? How are you recommending to others continue the conversation? Um, and I guess, what have you done in the last couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. So what we've focused on uh, with Mala is um, giving people an an opportunity to elevate you know their voice you know there's a lot of people that are doing great work you know on the front lines and you know different areas and um we invite them to share their story with mala so mala can amplify you know their um you know vo- uh, voices and and then connect them with um certain resources you know that they may be you know looking for because um we have a huge list of uh, partners, especially in the corporate, you know, um, world, and you've seen a lot of, uh, corporations, you know, take a stand, you know, and issue statements and, you know, um, that are looking now for ways to, uh, even increase their, uh, funding for minority owned, you know, um, businesses. So Mala is just positioning itself in a way where we continue to be, you know, that bridge builder.
1: What do you recommend other established businesses that they could do to help? Do you have a Yeah, on that? I, I, th-
0: I think, I, 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 think, um, first of first, first of all, lis- uh, listening, you know, and uh, listening in a way where you show, you know, emp- empathy and then, um, empowering, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, and, uh, especially people of, uh, 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 color and, um, and, working with um neighborhoods that have been neglected you know in places like chicago i mean chicago is one of the most segregated you know cities on earth you know i've never seen anything like this you know coming here as an you know um immigrant and there are folks that grew up were born and grew up in the north side that's never been to the west side and you should take a trip you know to the west side and so i see a lot more opportunities in there where you know different chambers of commerce so like the lincoln park chamber of commerce or the uptown chamber of commerce you know hosting events you know with the you know the austin neighborhood chamber of uh, uh, commerce and you know once we see you know uh, money you know f- flowing into those communities that have been neglected for so long then we can really start seeing you know change but if we're just you know putting out statements and there is no economic you know impact you know on these communities then it's uh it's not the same
1: appreciate the perspective. it definitely um i think listening in general is very important and um we all need to figure we're all going through this together
0: yeah absolutely
1: um so i guess the some One other question I have um, Mm -hmm. for last words of advice that you maybe give yourself and other business owners during this period um, regarding everything that we've talked about today. um, Just like things that you would, that you think that you yourself should know and also. um,
0: uh, Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, um, there's a quote and I'm failing to remember right now, but I believe it's by a poet. Persian uh, poet, his name is Rumi. And um, I think it goes um, like this. Um, yesterday, I was clever and I tried to change the Sorry. Yesterday, I tried to change the world. But today I'm clever and I'm changing myself. So That's beautiful. Yeah. it's really powerful. <laughs> so I want, I want, I want everyone to seriously look at themselves and say, okay, well, how can I be a better person, a better, you know, human being, a better, um, you know, uh, neighbor and, um, and then from there, you know, um, see how I can help, you know, my fellow, you know, uh, citizen at this, at this time. And, and also education is key, you know, so I'm constantly reading new books. I'm constantly you know, learning, you know, a a new, a new tool, you know, Um, and I'm constantly reinventing, you know, myself just because I um, didn't study, you know, tech, I'm self-taught, you know, and, you know, I'm taking Coursera classes, you know, I'm listening to podcasts, you know, so, and, and the more, you know, that we do what you're doing right now of having conversations, you know, with business, you know, leaders, the more you know, we learn from each other, which is really important. And that I think that's how we're going to start rebuilding, you know, the confidence—not um, just in ourselves, but also in the economy. The economy is driven by small business owners.
1: Yeah, I think it's, we've seen that through like the whole PPP program, where they're trying to save small business right now.
0: Fifty mm-hmm.
1: percent like of uh, America is is employed by a small business right now.
0: Yeah, abs- uh, abs-
1: absolutely. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It was really uh, meaningful to talk to you. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I know people will very much appreciate uh, hearing from you. And um, it's one of the great first episodes we've had here at Restarting America. So thank you for your time today. Um, looking forward
0: to hearing more how you keep going. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon at WeWork. <laughs> yeah, sounds great.
1: Thank you for listening to the Restarting America podcast. We just interviewed Ahmed Flex Omar from the Muslim American Leadership Alliance. Please subscribe and leave us a review. And also visit our website, restarting-america.com.